Ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax. I am Podcast Poppy, and you are tuned into a brand new episode of Quarter Life Crisis, starting right now. I'll just tap going. in. Cool. Three, two, one. All right. Welcome. <laughs> if happy to be here. Man, happy that we got through that technical difficulty, the most aggressive technical difficulty I've ever had. It's a quarter life crisis. It's for a us quarter to, life to handle technology. Yeah. Uh, but, anyways, man, happy that you're here. Mr. Yeah. Miles Bergen, old friend of mine. How long has it been now? Uh, we met each other back in 2015 20. when you lived with Sean and Kristen here. That's right. Uh, and um, we moved in as roommates in 2016. Right. So we'll talk about the whole, our intro to our friendship, which is quite colorful. <laughs> but so you're at, uh, you're at KTRNV, uh, right? KRNV. KRNV. Uh, yeah, KRNV, KRXI, and Nevada Sports Network. So tell stations. me, yeah, tell me what you're doing right now. So pretty much right now what I'm doing, it's been a long way since we last had seen each other. I mean, yeah. we saw each other back in February, but I mean, way back in 2016, lots happened. Um, right now, I'm a mix of reporter, forecaster, sometimes anchor fill-in. Yeah. So, but mainly I do reporting. So right. mainly I'm out there. Uh, reporting on what's going on in Reno, what's going on across Nevada, just stuff that kind of impacts people here in the city. So you're on the scene. Yeah, on the scene, whether it could be breaking news, it could be a story that we are generating early in the morning to the afternoon. Right. I'm on scene. So is it, do you, is there like a category that you look at, you know, cause there's a lot of different things. Like there's been fires that have been going on. Obviously there's the rallies, there's the COVID. Like, do you guys kind of share or do you have like, do you have like a focus that you do? Like, is there one person for sports who goes out on the field? Is sure. there one person for things like that? So reporters have beats. There are certain reporters that have the fire beat or some have the crime beat or right. some have the investigative beat. My beat is rural Nevada and Lake Tahoe. So I really, I have, you know, sources and gathering news really from there. So usually when I walk into a pitch meeting or a morning meeting, I have a story that impacts Lake Tahoe because I'm from there right. or something that impacts rural Nevada because I connect well with people that live in the rural areas across the state. Uh, the reason for that is because, you know, going places like out to Carson City, Urington, Dayton, heck, even out to Elko sometimes, uh, there's a lot of issues that kind of go under the rug when it comes to rural issues because right. things can go so easily out there because not a lot of people but there's stuff that needs to be uncovered when it comes to just basic reporting and investigative stuff that goes into just day-to-day operations just on the rural level. I can only imagine how some of those areas right now yeah. are, because usually, like you said, usually things won't, I don't know if the ripple effect of impacts that happen in the greater cities get out there as much, the ripple's much smaller, but with everything that's going on with like COVID and all yeah, that stuff, everything. I feel like it, like a, a small area would be under a microscope. Yeah. It's funny. I went out to Austin, Nevada, which is all the way off of highway 50. We're talking the central part of the state. And I went there and everything like on the way to Vegas type shit. We're talking all the way over to like the central part of the state. You're oh, going God. on highway 50. They call it the loneliest road in America. It right. is literally so lonely. And you're in like Lander County, which is a small County. Not a lot of people and not a lot of cases of COVID out there. Things seem pretty normal out there. Right. You know, it's a quiet town, not a lot going on, but you know, they aren't too concerned. A lot of them are older populations, 
you know, more of a vulnerable population, but they aren't too concerned because they're all pretty spread out. The reason yeah. that they're living out there anyway, like natural social distancing, completely right. natural, like personal wanting to social distance without the government mandate. Right. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you have a ton of info on how the world changes, but I gotta, <laughs> I have to venture back sure. into memory lane on, uh, on how we met. Sure. So I randomly was it? It was 2015, right? I believe so. So I found Sean, um, Jackie, and Kristen. That's right. On Craigslist, <laughs> like I got a job out in Reno, and they're like, "Yeah, you need to be here in two weeks." I was like, "Oh fuck!" So randomly found them on Craigslist. So ja- Jackie, Kristen, Sean, and no, 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 no. It was just them three. We're in Mexico. Three of them were like in Mexico. I think it was. Yeah, they were on the cruise ship, right? Yeah, they were on yeah. a cruise. I think it was Sean and Kristen. Sean and Kristen were on the cruise, and then Jackie was on the cruise, but maybe not Kodai. Maybe yeah. I know. I know Kodai was kind of in and out. Right. He yeah. was doing his science Dexter's laboratory shit. Yeah, he was. Doing- <laughs> and fucking uh, <laughs> that fool. And then so I, I don't know who I was talking to. I think I was talking to Jackie, and I was like, "Hey, I'm looking for a room. Like, I'm coming out there for work." And Jackie was like, "Oh, fuck yeah." Sign the deal, the whole nine, and when I, the day that I'm coming out here, I get a call from a random number. I'm almost positive is how it went down. They're like, it was Kristen. Yeah. And they were kind of like, like, Jackie didn't tell him really, or something like communication was lost. And they were like, who the fuck is this random dude that's about to move into our house? Sean was like, what the fuck? Some dude's going to move into our spare bedroom? I got my girlfriend here, and then Kodai is like, my girlfriend lives here too, and now you're gonna have some random dude from California. Yeah, and of course, like, I show up. My ghetto ass shows up in that like a tug U-Haul. Yeah, me and my dad just in sweats. We're like, "What the fuck is up, <laughs> dude? Up? We're here to live with you, <laughs> dude." <laughs> and then you moved right. You moved right in, and it was just like it was, it was cool. great. Sean was like, "You gotta meet Ricky." He's like, yeah. "You gotta meet this guy." He's like, "He's super chill." He's from Petaluma. It's like, you know, he played football in high school and all this stuff. It was I mean, like, I usually try to, I mean, everyone has like, there's obviously bad people out there and things like that and people that you're not cohesive with and that you don't sure. vibe with. But, you know, if you make like a conscious effort to effort to keep a neutral standpoint in, in the things that could trigger like, you know, struggles and adversities of roommates. Sure. We just kept it neutral. It was cool. Like, I just kind of stayed out of their way. I didn't, like, I didn't grab a lot of real estate. You know, I was at work all the time. You know, like, if I cooked, I cleaned the second that I was done. So I wasn't, like, not here, but I had a very small, like, blueprint, yeah. if you would, or you footstep. Were, yeah, or you were there. The be. Yeah, because, you, you know, you're working early. You get home. Everyone's either, they're all either in class or yeah. one or the other or working. It and it was perfect because at that moment in time, 2015, Sean those who don't know about Sean, <laughs> Sean was a drinker. Oh, yeah. And he had a an interesting purpose when he drank. Like, I feel like drank to black the fuck he out a, yeah. every time. We all did. And I was like 20, what was it, four years ago? So I'm like, tw- I'm like 23, 24, oh, yeah. something like that. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah, it was something like, yeah, mm. I'm pretty sure. I was oh, like, 2015? That's five years ago? Yeah, I was 22. So, yeah, I was 23. I was 23, and I was just making a bunch of money out here, and it's hella cheap to live out here. So I was like, yeah, let's fucking party. Yeah. And then we decided to, because uh, it, it was so cheap, Jackie and Kodai wanted to live together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, we should move into a dope-ass crib. Like, we can afford it. Like, it's it's pretty cheap. Yeah. And that's when you came along. Yeah. I had never met you. <laughs> never heard. Now, I don't think we'd even, like, gone out and drank together before that, had we? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I think we may have met each other once. 
maybe we met each other once at Imperial or something when you were working there. Oh God. But, uh, that was at least the limit that I remember. Right. Nothing. There was no, there's no specific like, Oh, this was the day we met kind of thing. Yeah. But it was like, we knew each other. We knew of each other. And yeah. And well, there's we- a lot of people not knowing each other. Cause my buddy Jose. Yeah. From California. That's right. We he didn't was going to move in downstairs. And he moved in. And then you, yeah. I hadn't met you or anything. And I remember the first, <laughs> the first day you got there, you weren't there. I walk in the house. I come in from work. And as I'm coming around the corner uh, to go to the bathroom, I see in your room. And there's just like a fucking mattress. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that's all there was, man. And I was like, Sean, like, what's going on? Is he going to move in? Like, yeah, no, he's moved in. I was he's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Who is this guy? And then I think it was like a couple days later. I don't think I still think I hadn't met you. And I come in and I like turn the corner and there's like a there's now a mattress. There's like a cowboy hat on the wall. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? What is happening? You're like, Where who, am I living? Who is this guy? Is this you know guy? what I mean? Who is this? Who's this guy coming in here? He's got his cowboy boots and his and his his truck and country yeah. lifestyle. But our first, our first kickoff moment, because when we got there, everything was pretty neutral. Like yeah. We were just saying like, what's up? I was always at work. You were always at work. Yeah. It was when we went to Sakana. That's right. That's when it, that's when it popped off. That's, that's when, when like, we found out how to yeah. live in peace. Live in peace. It was funny. Cause you were like, you got home. I remember like, I think I'd like, I was just chilling at home or something. And you're like, man, I want some food, but I want a drink. And yeah. I said, my eyes perked up. I was like, man, that's, uh, that's my kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And then you were like, well, we could just like walk to the market down the way. And it was like, let's, you're like, let's try out the sushi, sushi spot. Let's go to the sushi place. And it was like noon. Cause yeah, I get like, off work. It was just you and I, I think it was like I, yeah. just you and I, and the guys that behind the, the they sushi were living bar. their lives during the day. Yeah. It yeah. was just, uh, and it was just us. Like we were, deb- I, I don't, I don't remember, but did we, br- I, I have a vivid memory of bringing 40 ounces in there or something, or they had them there. They, or something. We were just sitting there like kings, just eating all you can eat. They something. had 40 ounces of Corona. Japanese oh, beer. Japanese beer. The Japanese right. beer. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and Corona's though. And Corona's, they had 32s yeah. of Corona. <laughs> and we got like two or three of each. Yeah. Because we were just going to grab like a couple rolls. Yeah. And then we just started drinking, dude. And yeah. I'm pretty sure, I feel like I have a picture of it. It was like my ass and all my FedEx gear hoodied up. Yeah. And then you were like in a cowboy hat. Yeah, it's something. I was like, man, I, I wish someone could just come in here and see us just, at the counter. Like, just, this is the weirdest Tinder date I've ever a, seen in my life. It's, it's a joke. <laughs> like the most yeah. aggressive a FedEx guy date. and a cowboy walk into a bar. Literally, that's what it was. But yeah, we had a great time, and it, it was. It's something I always remember. I'm like, every time I think of all I can eat sushi, I always think of that because I'm like, I'm like, that's yeah. the most fun I had. And it was good sushi, and it was a good time. We literally ran through like, like roughly like almost 200 ounces of. Alcohol. Alcohol. Like, yeah. I think we had like three 32s each. Isn't it funny? Like, when you think about back then, you're like, man, it was so easy. But as you get older, it was just so hard. It gets a little harder. To oh, put my that God. Down. If I if I drank three 40s Yeah, like today, we did then. Oh, oh. I don't even think I could get through one. I get oh. so bloated. Yeah, right. I'm drinking this. I'm drinking, the for Bud everyone Light. who wants to know, I'm drinking a Bud Light, Light seltzer. strawberry seltzer. Yeah. And I'm like a quarter of the way through, and I'm like, oh, God. No sponsor. Fucking, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting bubbly. <laughs> and you're just like, man, I'm. <laughs> but it, it's funny when, you, when you're back then. You know, I talked with Sean about that. I'm like, I'm like, it's such a different thing. You know, the hangovers get harder. It's such a different thing when 
when you're mixing sushi and all that stuff and like right. you know back in that 2015 2016 it was just so easy going but then once you get older it's like your body your bones get a little more brittle and it's just it's yeah, just it was a different wild. you could throw we could throw the day away oh, yeah. and recover the next day yeah we were good to go the next day you know like uh, just a little water and a little splash of the face yeah good which to go. which made a which which made our living situation super unique because yeah. you know you guys were going to school and I wasn't going to school mm-hmm. so you guys had your school schedule and then you were like a full-time, you were like a full-time employee. Yeah. Right when I moved in, I went full-time as right. a photographer. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal. So you would, but you were so random, like your schedule. So all over the place, like you yeah. would go and then you'd have to come. You weren't on call, but they would. They would you? call us. Yeah. Like I was, I was ready to go no matter what. Right. And I, you know, I started off working uh, 2.30 to 11.30. So completely opposite your schedule. You were in bed by like six or right. seven. You're like, you're ready to go you wake up at three o'clock in the morning yeah and you know i sometimes i'd be getting home at like two two depending on that breaking news situation but it was yeah i was full-time there i just went full-time as a full-time student full-time photographer so that's why yeah and i'd be working weekends too so when everyone's chilling and stuff i'd stop by for an hour on my lunch and then go back to the station it was uh it was definitely different it was it was so funny because our schedules we're the strangest, but coexisted really well yeah. to the point where we would find ourselves in the house yeah. at the same time with like five to eight hours to kill. Oh, yeah. And that's when because that's when those things would happen, like going to the sushi spot in Sakana. Yeah. And then I remember us coming back and that was it was a wrap after. That. Oh, yeah. We came back trash. We came back trash. And Jose was like, what are you what have you guys been doing? Yeah. Yeah. And we just were like, we're, we're, we got to keep this thing going. Yeah, we got the speakers that's right i don't remember i don't know what speakers we have we had some dope ass speakers for some reason in the house i can't remember what which ones they were yeah and then you had your laptop on the balcony that's right right when you walked into the front door there was the, the balcony, balcony up on the top right and mm-hmm. it was big like there were like 25 foot ceilings in Seriously? the living room and uh you were just i remember i can't vividly remember you having a towel over your head yeah right and you were just going in just like djing on a laptop DJing on a like laptop. just clicking buttons all i had was spotify and youtube and i would just transition in between yeah. them like i'd be like i know exactly what song it's gonna be <laughs> you'd be playing kevin gates on one song you'd be playing tech nine on the other it would just be a combination of everything and oh like, well, my I'm like these gosh. guys are from the bay so i'm like i gotta show love for the bay yeah area, yeah so. it was crazy i was like yeah no, this guy can't fucking dj yeah and then you started knocking on all the bands and i was down Low. I've seen like TikToks of it where like COVID DJing, like yeah. there's one person and then there's like a cra- it's like a joke. They pan the camera over and there's one person. One person's out. going, yeah. We actually did that pre-COVID. Right. We pre-COVID. We had the doors open, everything. <laughs> and the neighbor, what was crazy was because even that day you think that'd be like, okay, that might be a noise complaint to have the doors open. Right. You're bumping two phones by Kevin Gates and nobody, our neighbors never came over. It's nothing weird. like that. And even just on regular times when we were blasting music or hanging out or just like kickbacking. It, it's wild. It was it was too weird. Spot. The neighbors were very the neighbors were very chill. I was I remember when I first got there, I was like nervous. That was hardcore burbs. Like yeah, gated, that's the, yeah, Mormon, area. HOA community, and yeah. it was like, you know, I was like, you know, I come home at noon, and there's Jose's Mexican ass shirtless, like barbecuing in the front fucking yard, listening to like like yeah. I don't even know who he was listening to, some like yeah. mariachi. And then I'd get home and I'm like, sweet, roll a blunt, light the blunt, stand on the front porch, smoking the blunt. Yeah. And then people are just driving by like, and then we'd see security be like, oh, oh, fuck. And then we're like, oh yeah, that security is, there are security. It was yeah. wild, man. Loved it over there in, in, uh, in Somerset. It was crazy. And Same. then we had one of still my favorite memories in Reno was Night in the Country. Oh yeah. Night in the Country, for, for listeners out there that don't know, it's this... It's this music festival out in Urington, Nevada, which is about 90 minutes away from Reno. 
and it's in a very uh, very uh, country part of the town, uh, very heavy uh, agriculture community down there in good old Lyon County, and it's out in the fairgrounds. Good old Lyon County. Good old Lyon County, and just being out there, it's you know you know it's everything in a country music festival. You got country singers, you've got people just partying for just three to four days straight, <laughs> yeah. and we decided to get an RV. Yeah, that was. I remember you guys were like, "Yo, we should go tonight in the country." And I'm fresh from the city. Yeah, I was like, "What?" Mm, I don't really know if I'm trying to go there. And you guys yeah. were like, "Oh no, it's all good." It was mostly like Sean who's like, "No, dude, it's all good. It's all good." Sean, I'm like, yeah. bro, you're Sean like hates black. country music. Yeah, I'm like, you dude, you're blacked out 90 percent of the time. I'm like, my black ass doesn't want to go to night in the country, bro. Like I, they were showing me videos and pictures. I'm like, yeah, this is the last place that me and my homies would ever go. Right. So finally, Kristen comes up. She's like, yo, I think we're going to get an RV and party for three days. I was like, suddenly this sounds a little bit different. Mm-hmm. We got that RV. Yeah. And once you get the RV, you're like, fucking okay. Kristen crashed the RV. That's right. She we didn't even get out oh, of Somerset. Right. We didn't get out of Maverick and she crashed at the she, Maverick and she almost had a breakdown. I was literally like, yo, oh you should God. let me drive. Like I drive bulk trucks every single morning. This is very oh. n- normal for me. I was like, just let me drive. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, I paid for it. Like, I yeah. set it all up. You know, like, I orchestrated it. I want to do it. And we're like, all right, cool. And she didn't even get out of pumpkin gas. That bitch backed up onto the pole that guards the... Yeah, that the- red pole. It just scraped the side of the RV. And she was just like, oh. And it's stressful getting an RV as it is. And you're like, the good thing was it was two minutes away from the house. Yeah. So we all weren't plastered. Because we were all drinking. Yeah, we all were drinking. We were all, yeah, like, we, first cores Because we had, we had the little uh, little styrofoam cups. And it was like, <laughs> roadies. Let's get the roadies. <laughs> the styrofoam yeah, cups. the styrofoam cups. And yes. we all wrote our names on the side. Yes, yeah. dude. Uh-huh. So, and, yeah, I remember when we, when we got there... I was nervous right out the gates. Right, you and, pull up and it's kind of intimidating. Oh, it's like it's like my racist radar was like booming, right? I'm like, you know, because I don't know any different. I'm like, yeah. this is fucking insane. And I remember uh, <laughs> my routine was, because I, I got stuck sleeping on top of the cab, remember? That's right, that, you got the upper. Was that. Mm-hmm. And I came home, uh, you know, earmuffs for the for the young listeners. Yeah. But I went three for three that week. That's weekend. right. That's right. So I was getting home every night at like or every morning at like seven. <laughs> That's right. You would always walk back and just open the door. <laughs> all the, the and light. I would I would be a it'd be like, you know, by eight o'clock yeah. it's fucking ninety degrees. So oh, I'm it's, like it's up. So hot. That's why we got the RV. Yeah. yeah. And my morning routine was two styrofoam cups, and then it was vodka. Vodka. Yeah. Um, Sunny D. Pedialyte, mm-hmm. and I'd roll a blunt, light the blunt, and I'd start doing like laps around all the campsites. <laughs> yeah, your breakfast champ. And my first morning, there's this dude with a Confederate flag tied around yeah, his with neck the, with the with the lock. With the lock, the that's right. And he's like, I'm walking, and I have my tank top on and my cowboy yeah, hat, you cowboy my hat straw and your American hat. flag tank. Top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Coca Cola. Oh, Coca Cola. It was the right. Coca Cola tank right. top. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy's like, "Hey, brother," and I'm like, "Oh, fuck." Here we go. I'm like solo, like so, like I, I'm holding a double double stack styrofoam cup, smoking a grape swisher. I'm like, I'm about to get jumped here. Yeah, and he's scary. like, hey, hey, and he calls me over. So I'm like, fuck, I'll just give it a shot. And this dude's like, you want a beer, man? And I'm like, uh, sure, yeah. And then his buddies come out and they're all like fucking American flags and all this shit. And they're like, what's up, man? I need a teammate. And I literally partied at that campsite for like four hours. Yeah, there'd be periods of time where we'd be like, where'd Ricky go? And be like, just went and man, and it was. Man. All four days. Yeah. It was nothing but love. It That's was crazy. Isn't that crazy? Isn't yeah. that wild when you go out? Because it's, an, again, you go up and it's intimidating. But then once everybody's just a little bit sunburnt, a little bit tipsy, right. a little bit of dirt in their veins, there's just some camaraderie that comes out of people. And yeah. It's just like, you're in all the out there. 
Yeah. For a common goal, too. It was like, yeah. you know, when they were bringing that thing around to, and everyone was swing dancing around oh, the yeah, campsites. Oh, yeah, the little red, the little red yeah, thing. Everyone yeah. knows about that red truck. Man, it was yeah. it was, uh, it was was eye-opening for me because I was still kind of a young stunner, and I was like, you know, I was – I feel like my maturity level when it comes to this topic was a little further than most, but sure. You know, like my view on white people really like country white people was sure. very like aggressive. Cause that's really, you know, um, but yeah. man, night in the country was, f- it was, it was so fun, dude. Yeah. It was so fun. You were an absolute tank. I've never seen anything like that before <laughs> in my life. Like, yeah. I, uh, night in the country. I, again, I, I haven't been back in almost two years now. I haven't been back in two years and it's, yeah, I go there and I love it. And yeah. just because the people are friendly and I understand what it is, you know, everyone lets you come and go into their pool and right. jump in their pool and, and everyone's sharing drinks and, and you're, whether you're playing beer pong, you're throwing horseshoes, you're going to the concert together, yeah. you're sharing dip, you're doing all this stuff. That's so, I don't know what it is, but you know, I'm, I'm very proud to be from the state of Nevada and there's just something Nevada, so Nevada about that place. Man. Yeah, it was cool. I was yeah. nervous because it's Northern Nevada, you know, but when I got there, everyone was calling me Darius Rucker. You're that was like, I was Mr. Rucker to a bunch of campsites. Oh, that's scary. But man, no, it was, it was like at first. Yeah. But you know, like it was strange dipping into someone else's culture. Yeah. You know, like. They didn't see me as an imposter. They didn't see me as an outcast. They were like, hey, are you here because of this? And I was like, yes. And they're like, oh, dope. We're all here to enjoy the same exact thing. Exactly. And the white women out there were just, <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, you know, they it was like every single female has Daisy Dukes and boots on and, like, a bathing suit top. And, you know, I mean, a man is a man. I was just like, this is out of control. This scenery is unbelievable and then the things they would do to their campsites like people would bring out like 150 bales of hay oh yeah and build pools well it's funny because and tarp them uh, because there's people that kind of both go to night in the country and burning man right and people will bring out these campsites that are like it's like they're bringing out a barn yeah they, they bring out a full setup <laughs> like yeah like yeah i don't know i did i don't know if you remember going to one of those bar they it's like a bar where you go you give us something of yours we'll give you a mixed mystery drink like you're like all right here's my sunglasses oh yeah cheap sunglasses oh like, yeah yeah it was very central here's two shots of of jameson or something right but, right but people get so creative out there but that's another thing of camaraderie and i love that and then you can go back there and you can make a connection with people and you know it's awesome and one of my favorite things is that everyone has like sharpies with campsites written all over Camp their arms. Like it's like it was like, "Where are your tattoos?" Oh no! And then it just gets all over your chest because yeah. so you're so sweaty out there. Yeah, there was a couple times I'd like reach my arm out. I'm like, you're "Right, like, your camp." Oh, it's your I'm tat. like, oh, "Other arm, my fault." Yeah, other arm, the one, the <laughs> I'm one that's completely not a full tatted, sleeve. Yeah, that sharpie is not gonna work. Yeah, it's it's and it's something that I think it's it's so interesting for a small town like Urington. That's a huge important thing uh, for a lot of people, and it's a you know. Nevada is such an interesting thing. You know, you growing up in Petaluma, um, you know, being in Sonoma, heavy agriculture out there, you know, vineology, all that stuff. And then Nevada is such an interesting place when it comes to just that mixture of, because Urington's a big hub of agriculture. You got onions out there, you got cattle, you have a number of things out there. And just to have something like that, you really get a taste of what what Western agriculture is like. It's so funny. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it wasn't a completely new environment you know the west side of petaluma is it's an old chicken farmer town it was mm-hmm. one of the biggest chicken farmer towns in the country and i lived on the west side of petaluma and it was you know there was a lot of people who were still doing it who were who still raising cattle and, and yeah. there was only a couple chicken farmers left and then you know a lot of equestrians like my cousins uh lives out in um 
Woodacre, which is, you know, a big place for, for horses and things like that. So it wasn't completely new, but I was like, there's a lot. Yeah. This is a very, very like. Yeah. But I also love going to those festivals. Like I've, I haven't been to like a big, uh, like EDM festival yet. Yeah. But I've been to other things that are other like genres of music or, you know, and I love every single one of them. Like a festival with the, the masses is, is a blast. Like I went Seriously. to Cali Roots, you know what I mean? Yeah. I went to Evolution of Hip Hop, went to Night in the Country, you know, so I've so I've been you got to, a good taste of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. been to big, big and the com- like there's people there that are just like, you know, I don't do this on a daily basis, but, you know, uh, let me just dive into this for yeah. a weekend. You got to just days. go in with an open mind. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Hot as shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh it, my god, it was so hot. That's why we got the RV cuz right. I've tent camped out there and it's miserable. And I thought our thing was cool. Like oh, we yeah. put the mat down and we had yeah. the overhang, we, we had, had like breakfast. a couple of decorations. Yeah. And then we walked to other people's campsite and they're like, "Yeah, we just built a like a life-size, <laughs> yeah. you know, like leaning tower of Pisa <laughs> so, over yeah. here with We've got Coors redneck hot tubs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they had hot tubs in the back yeah, of their the trucks. Yeah, back of their trucks, redneck hot tub. Them. Yeah, and they're just pumping just pumping hot water yeah. in there. And after that it really kicked off when us like kind of hanging out and and not like part. We didn't party too hard together, but drinking together. Because then I was I was bouncing at Imperial. That's right. And That's right. Uh, when I got there, the bouncers love all the bouncers, but yeah. very inexperienced, right? So I had bounced yeah. for like five years before I yeah. got there, four years. And uh, I would see like the bar would get so packed, we just keep letting people in. I'm right, like, dude. Why don't we start a line? Let's make some money out here, you know. So we would start making lines and, you know, we go 10 bucks ahead if you want to cut the line. And in winter, it was the best thing in the world because it was like Wednesday, wing Wednesday, Friday and Saturday. People freezing outside. Jumping. Just want to get in. Thousands and thousands of people. Like the nightlife, in in my personal opinion, the nightlife in in California, other than downtown Petaluma, has got nothing on Reno. Like like (laughs) when it comes to dive bar, like there's Polk Street in San Francisco, which is really cool, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, man, Reno is just it was a dope-ass dive bar spot. And you guys, because <laughs> I wouldn't let anybody in for free. That's right. Nobody you in always, for free. You'd always and I would slack. tell you guys, like, listen, I'm an asshole at the door. I don't let nobody in for free. There'd be fine females come up like, hey, Ricky. I'm like, yeah. what's up, girl? They all, they all, we'd, all be, we'd all be like, oh, yeah, just ask for Ricky. And they'd come up, and you'd be like, $5. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'd be like, ah. I'm like, oh, you guys look good. Like, thank you. I'm like, man, we got to get y'all in here. And they're like, I know. That's why we came to talk to you. We were told to talk to you. I'm like, you came to the right person. I'm like, 10 bucks. Ahead. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this isn't an ATM. <laughs> yeah. But I remember you guys would come just plastered. Oh, yeah. And I was like, just have something in your hand. That's it. Yeah. Make it seem like you've been you're giving me money. And you would always come just like wobbling. With a one dollar bill no. hanging out the side of your hand, <laughs> so everyone can see it, and I'm trying to do that smooth handshake yeah, with you, and it's just treacherous. It's your one dollar bill. The lady's like holding you up. Kristen's in the back holding Sean up. Yeah, you guys are both just like head oh, bobbers. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, I'll let I'll let all four of you guys in, or however many you guys had in, and everyone's yeah. like looking. They like, just kicked out people who are way less drunk Wait. than you. Yeah, and people are like, what the fuck? I'm like, just mind your fucking business. Just do my job, man. Man, those are some crazy times. It, it was a, it's a fun spot. I mean, now it's it's uh, something else. It's gone or that or it's gone. It's gone now. Yeah. 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 It's but a, the downtown life. I mean, the life is just different now. Oh yeah, it's 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 totally different now. Obviously, with 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 COVID and stuff. Uh, we went out recently. I want to say about uh, probably middle of June, and you know we're wearing masks in public and stuff. We try, We we sat down at dinner, but we tried to go to three different bars. Uh, you can't stand up. You have to have a seated area. Everything's already packed and full by like seven or eight o'clock. So it's now it's so different. Yeah. Very strange. Like mm-hmm. I went out one weekend, a couple of weeks before, like they really shut down and 
or I think it was a couple weeks after they opened back up. And yeah, you had to stay seated. You know, if you got up, you had to wear your mask. Yeah. So, like, do you have any insight? My, I see that that when when the shutdown happened, especially in Reno, I think it was phase two or whatever, phase one, mm-hmm. and they shut the casinos down and they shut the bars down yeah. and they shut all that stuff down, and they did it in Clark County too, down in Vegas. That's right. What kind of? I mean, I fantasize about the economical impact, but it must be just billions of dollars that the state yeah. is losing right now. The budget shortfall is almost one billion plus dollars. And that's why they've had special sessions. So what, what does that mean? What is it shortfall? So mean? they've been like pretty much that's how much they lost. So they pretty much when they shut down. I mean, that's if you think about that, Nevada's only been shut down since, you know, March. Right. You lose a billion dollars in four or five months. Imagine how much you're making in an entire year. It's just wild. by quarter. So there's a lot that goes into that, whether it's casinos, whether it's mining, whether it's a number of things from small businesses to large businesses to corporations to tech. There's a lot that goes into that impact. And I don't think we've really seen that yet. So now the governor has put in place another second special session to address more shortfalls and address a number of issues. Um, With the one that happened last time, they, you know, cut, they cut a lot of funding from education and healthcare, which is so interesting because, you know, we're trying to solve a healthcare crisis and we're cutting funding away from healthcare, Strange, um, which is interesting when you, when you hear both sides of it and uh, covering politics is such an interesting thing because now Coronavirus has hit a point where now everything gets so political when it comes to to like literally the invisible enemy is what we call it. Right. But when everything started shutting down in March, we were not anticipating them shutting down the casinos, which were the main thing. We're like, okay, they're probably going to keep those open. I mean, how many employees is that? I know. That's the thing is the biggest employer in, in Reno is the Washoe County School District. Right. Other than that, it's the casinos. You know, shut them they both down. Shut them both down, and a lot of these companies, you know, the Wind Company, the Eldorado Company, they laid off all their employees. That is just wild. Can you imagine? I mean, that must be so hard because that's the that's where a lot of people get whether they get their experience or they mm-hmm. they first start. It's it's a livelihood for a lot of people just here in in Nevada across the state. Yeah. Whether you're a small community, large casino, you know, it's funny. My hairstylist today, she was just telling me she's like, I used to work at a bar in Elko. <laughs> hairstylist. Hairstylist. We Mom's got him. Your barber. Right. Come Sorry. <laughs> my barber doesn't call me anymore because he's like, your hairline is getting way to the back of your yeah, scalp. Yeah, bud. it's retreating. You got that LeBron James. That's going right. On. I got the LeBron James going on right now, and. <laughs> And so she was telling me she used to work at a casino in Elko and she's like, I'm glad I'm a hairstylist now. Cause I would have still been there and I probably would have shut down. And yeah. she was like, you know, she's talked to some of her people that used to work with some of her friends she made out there. And she's like, yeah, they're all, they're all living off unemployment and it's a crazy thing. Yeah. I have my, I have some of my girlfriends out in California who do hair and they shut down all the barbershops and salons That's, again. Yeah. They again. do again. Yeah. And, again. and they're like, you know, they're struggling big yeah. time. I mean, just hemorrhaging money. Yeah. You know, and then also food and beverage, right? Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that food and beverages, it operates roughly between 8 and 14% profit. Yeah. So it's a very small margin. So to 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 shut down like that is is pretty aggressive. Like I'm over at FedEx and I've seen I've seen accounts that we've just lost. Yeah. Small businesses, small warehouses that can no longer function and 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 close. Yeah. Cuz I mean, you know, I think I don't know all the details to it, but the, the availability to loans and help out, help for small businesses out, out the gates of this was was massive. Yeah. You know, the unemployment boost was massive. I think it was like, what, like 56 million people on unemployment or something crazy like that. It's a lot. Um, but a lot of small businesses live paycheck to paycheck, very similar to the people who work in it and, and, you know, us. Yeah. Which is 
you know, and you go four or five, four or five months. You and then you kind it. of open up where you're paying your employees, but people aren't really coming. You know, like, uh, when do you think, like, when, when do you think this rock is going to hit the pond? Because I, there, I feel like we're hemorrhaging money. We're, we're going to have to dial into way more debt. There's people who have been living off unemployment pretty successfully for yeah. months now, but that won't last forever. It's going to run out today. Is it today? I think it's like end of July going into August and they're having issues and there's the sites are crashing here in the state. They're, the rocking hitting the pond is what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. You got people that can't get unemployment anymore. You're going to see people, whether they, you know, that's what they're addressing right now at the legislature. They're trying to address, you know, um, memorandums and stuff when it comes to rentals and right. rental agreements and landlords and all that stuff. Cause it's such a, it's such a cutthroat business of, you know, with how much expensive it is to live in certain areas where rents go up oh, and yeah. influx and all that stuff. So I think the next thing that's going to hit is housing. So right. I think housing is going to definitely take a hit when people lose their jobs, they can't afford rent. Oh. Rent's going to be impacted rent. Either prices are going to go down or people are going to stop moving into places or people may leave. It's, it's going to be probably the next, that's probably the next level where I, where I personally see things kind of going is, you know, we've eliminated phases. So there's no longer phase one, phase two right. in the state of Nevada. You know, I was just at the press conference with the governor and asked him, I said, what exactly is your new directive? Uh, and he mentioned a number of things from, from you know, taking a different approach by, by not just not cutting off businesses. Like, okay, all casinos must close or all pools must right. close. It's got to be just the bad actors. Yeah, yeah. So that way you're not eliminating businesses as a whole. So biz, small businesses can still thrive. Right. If you say all bars must close, like there's a lot of bars that are still closed now. And there's a lot of restaurants that have closed their bars, but... There was that weird thing where you either had to serve food yeah, or had to serve there were some weird guidelines yeah. with that. But think about it. Most 80% of businesses of, of restaurants, like have like literally can get, can't get by, you know, it's right. like you get that 20% of success rate. And like, if like, I like the main thing that a lot of chefs say, they go, if it's packed on a Monday, you're, you're, if you're at 50% capacity on a Monday, you're lucky. And now that you're only at 50% capacity, I mean, it's such a difficult thing to get by. So I'm assuming they're struggling severely. I mean, we had a number of restaurants just closed just on in Midtown, the little nugget awful, awful diner closed, the awful, awful closed, awful, awful. I can't believe that. I heard about that. 70 years. It's been there. That was my, I'm pretty sure you guys took me there. Oh, that was one of my sure first have. burgers. Oh yeah. I used to work at the knit and I used to go right there and get biscuits and gravy and awful, awful. Yeah. You guys took me to, uh, the stick, because you know I was from the that's bay. Right. That's right, the bay. And yeah, that's we had some drinks the, the stick, and then we went and got the awful awful. And a couple of my employees brought that up, and they're like, "Man, I grew up on the awful." Yeah, you know, like that was it. Yeah, so that's 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 uh, number one. I mean, that's a casino and a diner both closing, because that's and that's what's so diff so difficult is that you know, these businesses are trying to literally it's cutthroat. You're trying to survive. Right. You're trying to literally survive while trying to not get, you know, not try, not try not, not to get diagnosed with a, a disease that you don't know if you might catch. Right. It's such a different thing. And it's so interesting to cover um, me as a journalist. We, I remember being back at the end of February and I was literally reporting about, um, I was talking with this uh, entom uh, state entomologist with uh, the Washington County Health District, and I was reporting live in our newsroom around the five or six o'clock hour. And my executive producer walks over with a paper, and it says first case confirmed in Solano County in California, which is like Davis, Woodland, right. where Kristen's from. Yeah. And I reported that. I said we just got word that uh, the Solano County has its first case. Then. A couple days later, I'm in Novato. We're visiting. Uh, it's Delaney's dad's birthday. It's, it's March 5th. I remember it. 
Uh, Elizabeth Warren dropped out of the race because I remember that was the first thing that came on the phone. And then the first case in Nevada happened, and that was on March 5th. And we're going up, and it, that. and it's 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 it, that's when it all kind of started spiraling. But then then 16 days later, around March 17th, it was like St. Patty's Day. Yeah. That's when we were like, state is shut down, boom. And it's it's wild how like like I said, it's it's such a interesting thing to cover because there's there's everybody's impacted by it. You oh, can't yeah. just be like, oh no, these people are fine. It's everybody from people living in senior living facilities, people that are living on the street. You know, they cleared out the Reno Event Center for homeless people, and now they closed out the Reno Event Center. Yeah. So now you have homeless people that have nowhere else to go, and it's they're not going to bring them into the actual homeless shelter because then they're worried about people catching COVID. And it's just there's these things. And one thing that's that's very apparent is, you know, there's, it's true. No, nobody was ready for this. Nobody. I mean, there's no way. And it's really hard to prepare because... There's also no real good fix to it. Exactly. There's no, no, like no real, one has a great idea. No, exactly. And how could you? It, it, it's hard. Be, you know, everyone's trying. And, you know, when, when people make efforts, it's a good thing. But what's, what, what frustrates me as a journalist is when somebody even tries to do something good, there's always something negative about it's what they're trying yeah. to do good. Well, you said it earlier. You said that COVID kind of turned political. Yeah. And uh, I, it was just a bummer because when COVID happened, I was like, man, you know, it sucks. I, I was a little worried at the beginning. I was like, whoa, you know, luckily the mortality rate is as low as it is. But mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is kind of cool. This is something that has, you know, no shades on, can see no color, no yeah. geographical location, no economical status. Right. Obviously, it's favored more towards the, the older. There's more people who are susceptible, just like any disease sure. or virus. But I was like, man, you know, we're so busy that we're not as selfless as we should be. Yeah. Not maliciously. And this pops off and I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of cool. We kind of got to think about everybody, everybody, and we're going to have to do our best to protect everyone outside of our, the own realm of our yeah. ecosystem. And then it kind of turned into a finger pointing game, which is cause it's like, you know how our society functions is we're pack animals. It's very, very evident. Oh, and, yeah. and especially in a capitalist country like this, like we thrive off of, of these meetings and, and these large groupings and social interactions and like yeah. networking, networking, like even, even without even pre media and social media and, you know, uh, networking was key. Yeah. Networking is still key. Like, you totally. know, like I, I, I had a podcast about it. I'm not a big fan of the educational system, but I do know what happened when I was up in Humboldt for four and a half years and my network has carried me yeah, to where I'm at now. Exactly. You know, like networking is massive and then you eliminate that and it's like, Man, it's just uh, it's just wild that you can even pick somebody to blame with a virus that has no vaccine, That's and right. our society f- runs off of social interaction, very close quarter, metropolitan areas in every single state. Yeah, and it's like, man, you know, like I, uh, I mean, you already know this. Like, I've I've gotten in kind of combative conversations with some of my friends because, you know, everyone's like, these people are doing this, left's doing that, right's doing that, yeah. Trump this, Hillary that, this that and the other. And mm-hmm. I fucking hate Trump. Like, if I found him in a dark alley, I'd, you know, it'd be, it'd be a rough day. But sure. I tell everyone, like, uh, I pray. I'm at a point where I hope he just makes the best choice that he possibly can. Because sure. who, who can make this decision? You know, like, I, I tip my hat to anyone who's in that position to try to make these calls, shutting down an, an economy like this, you know, affecting embargo and trade and, and then, you know, highlighting differences between countries and trying to, like, make a decision where you look like you care about the masses but you also have to make some like tough military tactical decisions like is is sacrifice or is you know putting these people at danger worth 
what we might do to this country, you know, like, God, I can only imagine. It's, it's so interesting um, that you bring that up because, you know, there's a period of time where people look, people look to a president and they want to see that somebody's going to make the right decision. Cause everyone's right. like, you know, we don't follow them. 50% of the country doesn't like the president. 50% of the country supports the president. Right. So we obviously, you know, it's, 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 it's total headline clickbait, but we are a divided country right. on many things. It's so it's quick to go to things that are so identity politics based. And that's how COVID has gotten, you know, whether the politicians are doing the right thing, Trump's not doing this, Trump should be doing that. Or, or, or the Democrats not doing this. Biden should call him out on this. And that's when, how, that's kind of how it got, became political. Did you say Biden? Biden. That's if he could finish the sentence to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. No Holy comment from my end. But, but you know, you hear these things because you're, you're looking for, a, you're looking for an answer. You know, Absolutely. everyone's looking for some form of answer, whether it's medical, whether it's political. You're looking for hope. Oh, we're looking for it. And it's, it's something that we're just looking for. And it's, it's such a difficult thing. But I think what this has shown people is, you know, yeah, you do have the president doing press conferences every day and we watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have press conferences with the governor. Mm-hmm. We are, or we have uh, city council meetings. People are now becoming more interested in what the local governments right. are doing. And I think that's the changing thing. Well, that was big because they were up at the top. Like you guys need to, you guys need to, when you're going to delegate some of this and you guys need to figure this out mm-hmm. state by state, because I mean, we, we saw it in other places like, you know, when COVID was just ravishing Italy Yeah. and they shut that place down and it's a vast majority of, I would, I think I don't want to quote myself, but I think it's like 75% of the economy is due to, uh, tourist, uh, currency yeah and they just shut the whole place down you know and it's like so i'm glad they did that because it's like you know obviously states are very different you know idaho is very different than when new york is getting just absolutely ravished completely you know yeah but man just uh just just crazy like i could only imagine being in being in that seat and then you have experts in every country yeah every pulling their own data Mm -hmm. where there's always going to be holes trying to give their expert advice and trying to tell other people what they did and what you should do. And and there's so many different variables, just state by state, let alone country by country. So, like, you know, I hear the, you know, like, uh, I think it's like Switzerland. Well, Switzerland, just let it go. Yeah, and they just, same as Sweden. In Sweden. Yeah. And I'm like, go. all right, cool. Well, Sweden is not the L.A. metro area. No. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's wild. It's, it's, so, it's very different. It's interesting how, yeah, like how that impacts state by state. You know, when you go from a, uh, you know, where we had, you know, going into phase two, everyone was so happy. We're like, phase two, finally, we can reopen businesses, we can social distance, whatever. Just let me get my business open. Yeah, well, please wear a mask when you're in my business. And then it came from, okay, cases are spiking, time to put on a face mask. Other states are like, we're still closed. Florida opens up, Texas opens up, things start popping off. You got the NBA going to Florida. You got the MLB starting up. You have, uh, you know, Major League Soccer going on. You have these major things that we're trying to get back. We're, we're trying to push so hard to get back to normal. Right. And it's it's alarming when you see this. Because, again, you know, there's so many. There's a, being, in, being in news, we, we send out a lot of data. We mm-hmm. report the cases by number every day. You're talking about mortality rate. You're talking about, you know, you know, deaths. You're talking about cases positive. You're talking about recoveries. It was, it took about a month or two to get to recovery stages. We're like, okay, right. now we got 10 cases of recovered per day. Um, when you're at that point, but it's so, it's so interesting to see how all of us on an individual basis respond to this. Cause, yeah. cause you know, 
uh, traveling to California recently, um, everything's still shut down in Marin County. Right. Or things are still shut down in Sonoma. Sonoma County. It's, Sonoma. A, it's a ghost town. Yeah. Delaney's grandpa lives there. And he, he has to just walk around his neighborhood. Well, it's like it was like his birthday back in July. And it was the first time he really got to walk around the neighborhood. Yeah. Because he's, you know, he's, he's in his 80s. He's yeah, vulnerable he's gotta to be it. Safe. And it's such a it's such a uh, wild thing. And then uh, it's it's um, it's definitely an interesting thing where we where we go from here is I think people are I think it's funny because we talked about night in the country and we talked about, you know, the rap festivals. I think it's going to be so interesting if there's a point where things go back to that, how uncomfortable people are going to be. In I was large crowds. I wanted to ask you that question, actually. So let's say let me put you in the scenario room. Let's say everything opens back up. Okay. I'm talking 100%. You guys can act and move the same way you did pre-COVID. You know, I look at, um, you know, I've been looking at a, a lot into to China and some of the cultural things that stuck around, you know, after a bird flu and things like that. And, sure. Um, you know, if everything opens up and activates, how do you think, like, do you think our businesses will be able to climb out of the hole because... Um, or do you think that cultural things are going to stick? Do you think that the capacity is going to change? Do you think that the social distancing will stay intact? The masks, the, you know, the large gatherings, like what do you think? What do you think will stick? Here's what I think will stick. I think working from home is going to stick. I think people getting more mobile, definitely going to be stick. You're you're not going to see people building large structures like they used to anymore. You're going to understand that. If you can have an entire uh, company work from home, what's the point of having a large building that you're renting so much money out? You're right. going to eliminate that quickly. Eliminate your like, overhead. Well, yeah. It's going to completely change that on whether that's, you know, in a certain business. Certain businesses need a, a hub. Certain businesses need a hub. You know, restaurants obviously need to have a hub. Um, 100% capacity. I mean, that just – here's what I think is going to happen. It's now we're now – we're kind of now – preconditioning ourselves in this mental state of when we bring people into a restaurant, I'm sitting there like, Oh, I got to keep my distance from people. I have to make sure I'm already sitting separately. It's like this already the psychological yeah. kind of, I don't want to say trick, but I feel I w- it in like grocery stores. grocery stores, right? I get, I get upset when I go into Trader Joe's and the Trader Joe's employees are drinking something in the water. Cause they're so hyped up and they're all just running around like crazy, whether it's busy, but right. it's like, I'm sitting there like, I don't know if I'm, you know, becoming like Howie Mandel, like, don't touch me. Like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking like, cause now, now we, I think that's where people get, cause it's so easy to be angry about this. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to be frustrated about uh, wearing a mask. It's so easy to be frustrated about six feet. And you know, some people maybe just aren't used to their surroundings or, you know, maybe people are just kind of caught in their head. But for some of us who maybe, maybe are taking this a little bit more on a pre- precautionary measure it's going to be a different thing if things start going back to normal. Um, you know. Also, the clash of culture when it does go back to normal, the people who want to stick and the people who don't. You know, like I've heard some people, which I don't, I have no idea what to do. So I say I partially agree with most of the suggestions that are put out there. Sure. You know, like with how pretty much we'll just say everyone's remotely educated on what's going on. You have to pretty be much up to date. Like you said, it's affecting everybody, whether or not you're – like analytical numbers are so precise or not. Everyone's pretty educated. Yeah. I've heard about like open everything back up and let personal decision come into play. You know what I mean? Like bars and restaurants, if you don't want to go in there and you don't want to, you know, be a victim of non-social distancing, then that's a personal choice of yours. But then that also goes like, then you completely carve out a population who does want to respect this social distancing. And now they're not allowed those civil liberties that we have all the time. Yeah. Like, 
you know, someone's like, what, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You yeah. know what I mean? Like Washington, Clark County, like you shut these casinos down. We're going to lose a billion dollars in four months. Yeah. In four months, you know? And, and I don't know how cross correlated it is, but I have to think, I think a year and two years down the road, we're going to be trying to crawl out of this. We're going to have a massive economical impact. Oh yeah. That's going to last for much longer than I think we expect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so it's like, you sh- you shut it all down and you lose these, you lose these billions. Like what happens when we have our nonprofits and, uh, and like programs like WIC and, and other things and who, and, yeah. and that are like located here in the state that need our state funding and bills and education and things like that. Like, is the state just going to throw up their hand? Like, are they still going to have a piggy bank to pull from or that's the thing is, so the state has a general fund and the general fund is funded by a number of programs and things like that. And so, you know, it comes from a certain percentage of certain, um, you know, expenditures and funding. And, you know, that's the reason that they have a special session is the governor has to call a fiscal emergency. And that's when they can delegate where money goes from the general fund to help help out certain businesses or help out certain parts of the state. So, So, yeah. So state of Nevada is sitting with $401 million on a rainy day fund. Yeah. And this was back in April. Back in April. Okay. So we're a billion dollars, just casinos. Just, no, no, that's that's just just total state, total state, but still a lot, a lot of that comes from casinos. So we're at what, what is that? That's 200%, 200% of our rainy day fund. Not a math guy. (laughs) Right. For you. Something like that. It's close. All you mathematicians out there. Yeah. You can leave your nasty comments. Yeah, please do. Whatever. It's close. You can at me on Twitter, please. So I'm thinking like, you know, I'm thinking about scholarship programs. I'm thinking about places who house women of domestic violence. I'm thinking about these types of places. Nonprofits. Is is there's, I'm not saying there is, but there's a risk, right? That these people are going to be put in harm's way. Well, here's what I was thinking too, because we were talking about, um, because schools are going back in session. So elementary schools are going back with obviously safety guideline protocols. Middle schools and high schools are going full on social distance. Like they're not going back into schools. But elementary schools are, right? You know, you you, you have a kid. You, I do. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, I don't know if it's something that worries you. But some people say it's not going to affect kids in a certain way. Right. Some kids may have asthma, certain things like that. So elementary schools are going to be open in Nevada. Do we do – so I think my only – my lopsided on that is – I don't know if this is such a weird thing to say because people could possibly be in harm's way, right? Sure. But I don't know if the stimuli and the interactions and the diversity and the things that you learn, not just in a classroom. Like I've said before, I'm not a big Rockefeller guy. Sit in rows. Everyone's graded on the same scale. Not a big fan. But, Mm -hmm. you know, mingling with your friends and learning things culturally at home and bringing them into the school and talking to your friends about it and seeing different walks of life and listening to brilliant people who are educators and teachers and going out on recess and, and, and these, you know, these adversities and and cultural clashes and embarrassments and highs and lows that you go through in these social situations. Like I don't necessarily believe that that is, I don't even know what I believe, but I don't know if that's, I don't know if the Corona for kids in that age group is a high enough risk to, to substitute, what they get out of that. Yeah. You know, like, and it's also, you know what I mean? Like you're going to raise some, I don't care who you are. You do at home, you do at home teaching with how much tech we have now. And you leave our kids alone. Like they're not going to be the same people that were raised in classrooms and in front of educators and listening to lectures, like sitting in front of a professor where you don't have to take notes and they just captivate you, you know, right. Instead of being Mm -hmm. on a zoom call. Exactly. There's a huge different thing between a zoom call 
and a teacher in person. There's oh, a, and it's the same thing with coaches. Yeah. You know, it, when some, you know, we, you played football in high school. Like, imagine you having to have a so, like you not having a whole season out of one year of your high school. That's a huge deal. Team meetings with oh yeah on Zoom. Seeing team no meetings way. on Zoom and no not doing two a days and not doing yeah. those things that are it's, that one com- makes you a better team mm-hmm. two but also makes you a better person. Person, big oh, time, yeah. big time, hundred percent, huge. It's just a uh, man, and then also you know like being held accountable. Yeah, you know like yeah, that no coach, principal's office at home. Coach is roasting you. You know what you I know? mean? Like this, it's very strange. But then also on the flip side, it's like. You know, as you get up into the older, the high school, the college, people have different diagnostics and different, you know, their immune systems are different and they're higher at risk. Yeah. But when it, like junior high, high school, how do you open up the economy if you don't open up the schools? That's right. You know? Yeah. Like I've heard people say like, and I get it. Like if you're not going to open up the economy, you shouldn't like what? Oh, but it's okay to put the kids in harm's way. Right. But it's like, how do you open up the economy? Who's going to watch these badass kids? One thing that's good that people have been concerned about that viewers have reached out to us about is that you have populations that are, you know, lower income populations mm-hmm. that need to go to school, they're, whether they're homeless or they need that outlet. They oh, yeah. need to go to school. So, you know, they've made exceptions for students in elementary, middle and high school that can go into classrooms. So they didn't like hybrid models where they yeah. do it online and in person. They have to. They have like, to. I grew up in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Parents like if they had to feed me, watch me. And care for me around the clock. Yeah. Which they would because I had amazing parents. Mm-hmm. But how are you going to put food on the table? Right. You know, like also, like you said, like a lot of people use love school as an escape. Not every not every housing situation is perfect. All good and dandy. Like summer vacation isn't summer vacation for some kids. It's true. You know, it's fucking three months of hell. It's true. And it terrifies me. You know, you're cooped up at the house you're alone. And then your parents added your you got a nine to five you got bills to pay you got a mortgage you got a you know an aunt who's got asthma you got this going on you're working remote you're you might lose your job and now you have to take care of your kids all day every single day and added massive piece of stress like yeah it only and the it goes it just go, kind of gets worse from there it's it's there's a lot of things as it is you know it's that balance that i think it's going to be hard for people to get because you're already like i said it's easy to be angry easy to be frustrated because there's these things that are so frustrated you're, you're infringing on what i'm used to of right, right. walking into a grocery store without a mask on yeah. or or pumping my gas pump without having to put hand sanitizer on you know there's a number of things that can like i said psychologically tamper with us right. a little bit you know like we it, want it to be black and white yeah but it can't be it can't be it's too complex it can't be and then and then that's the thing is is kind of going back to what you said about how things got to a point where you had people protesting against it. You had people being like, I want to get my hair cut, uh, open up the go, open up the state, open up all these things. And you had people just being so upset about it. And you know what? We should listen to what people have to say when they're upset. I, I get it. It's, it's yeah. interesting what to say, but it's so easy to be angry. It's so easy to take your anger to social media because you're cooped up all day. Yep. You're not outside. You're not working out. You're not doing any of this stuff. You're just angry. And then you lost your job. You're furloughed. It's really quick to jump on those negative emotions that are going to bring you to a brink of a breakdown. It's, Poss- also, it's also easy to express your negative emotions now. Oh, it's, it's so, it's so quick. It's wild. It's like in, it's I seen how quick it I is. miss it. You know, like, uh, you met when Teo and Jack and all them came over right before we went to Vegas. That's right. Jose. Like it, it's funny to us because you know, like you go back 2008, 2009, you know, it's just MySpace. Yeah. A little right. bit of Facebook. Like, you know, you say some of the shit that's being said right now, 
you're going to meet somebody who's going to come and talk to you about it with their mouth. That's right. And their hands, you know, like oh, Twitter yeah. fingers turn to trigger fingers. Like it's crazy. Like, yeah. But now people can just rattle off rattle these off, negative emotions and, and upset. And I guess it's a good venting outlet, but it's just like, if you can say whatever you want, um, with no repercussions besides comments that you can delete yeah. and people that you probably won't see. And also now it's weird. Like I was talking on the mic the other day, it was a little off topic, but I was talking about like uh, Tinder and Bumble and stuff sure. like that and how people interact and like talking to, you know, the, you know, whether it be yeah. same sex or different sex, people mingling together. Right. And, uh, it's funny cause I'll see people who have are speaking on a platform and then they'll see themselves, see each other in person. Haven't met yet. And they won't say anything to each other. Right. And, you know, now there's times where you can spit some some filth. Yeah. You know, like we'll just use Trump as an example. Like you could be like, you know, F Trump and F this and Mm -hmm. da 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 da. Maybe your friend's a Trump supporter. Right. And you see each other. You guys just don't. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be brought up. Yeah. But in like 0807, it was like, yo, did you just. (laughs) Yo. Did you just say that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. What? I'll see. I'll see you at Roth Park. What's going on? Oh, that's crazy. That's totally how it was. Wow. If you saw that, if you post a picture with someone's maybe girlfriend, right. oh, it was game over. You were at that school. You were in their face Got the next you. day. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, game, game over. Yeah. And that was like when I was like a freshman, sophomore in high school, and it was brutal. Right. And I miss those days. Oh, People I know. Just throw That's hands. the way it was. And it's yeah. again, it's so quick to be anonymous. You know, as people work in the media, people are so quick to judge. They judge your look. They judge the way you talk. They judge what you say. They love to see people mess up on the news. And right. they, people live off that. And people get really mad. And people get very frustrated. If like, uh, if you, if you, here's what's interesting: um, the George Floyd protests were so um, spellbinding to not just the United States, not just Nevada, the world. The world. It was such a wild thing i mean the thing is is you you have these protests going on and you have this just this you know frustration from being inside all day and then these things and then it brings something to light because we're all at home we're all on social media we're all looking at this we're like this is something that's not good yeah this is happening and it's something that people are now addressing uh, on both ends whether they're uh you know for black lives matter or they're for police reform mm-hmm. um b- back and forth uh, I covered in Fallon, there was a protest that was happening. Now, Fallon's a very conservative area, right. very conservative. You have gun touting, Trump supporting people, and, you know, conservatives, but you also have people out there that are blue dog Democrats, you know. So they were protesting Black Lives Matter across the street for George Floyd, but across the street, you had, in a way, counter protesters. They were holding their guns. And then eventually, the Black Lives Matter crew went over to kind of talk with them and see what was going on. Never in my life have I ever seen civil discourse in person right. it's always because when you see it online it's so bad so and you terrible feel like the world's against you i see these people talking everything they ended up hugging and shaking hands and all this stuff right. like they kept their they were keeping their distance but they're like okay i see where yeah, you're coming yeah. from i see why you're out here i see what you're doing yeah, but we don't get to see that on the tube you never get to see that on the tube unfortunately unfortunately you do not and it's something it's something that me as a journalist was like this is something that needs to be told so right. you know my my story was the town divided comes together was right. literally like what i wanted to say and eventually they had the guys come over to their protests and the guy was like we respect what you're doing we're just out here to make sure things don't go wrong and bad actors come out here right eventually two bad actors did come out there and they were toting trump flags and they had a, a kkk hat on and it was all an impersonation i don't know the whole specifics of it but i tweeted it out i tweeted it out and the comments, the reactions, fiery. Yeah. People get pissed. People are upset. People are getting mad at me right. for posting that. They're like, your state-run media 
you're garbage. You shouldn't be doing this. Like, how dare you? Like, you're just a liberal uh, journalist. And it's like you were spitting facts, though. I was I was literally telling you what I'm seeing. I just watched and it happen. Exactly. Yeah. I and know, it's, I've no, I'm no, no like a bias on it. It's exactly. just what happened. It's Here's the thing what a lot of people realize with news. So when I pull up in a news vehicle, the first thing they see is the Fox logo. And they think, oh, you're Fox News. You must be Fox News. But they see me in NBC with an NBC logo as well. They're like, oh, I love NBC. Cause that, that. Or it's like, it just depends how they feel. Right. Like, oh, you're with the media. You might be a liberal. Or, oh, you're with, you're with, you, you must be that. And it's like, that should not be how it is. It's so, it's so quick to judge people. And we're yeah. We get so quick on these judgments and it's alarming because it makes people, it makes me think that people aren't listening. You know, you, we put out the news, we're putting out your information so you can be the one that reads it. You digest it. You think about it. My big thing is question everything. Right. I've learned that. Trust but verify. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, because, you know, since 2016, I've grown tremendously with understanding where people come from on certain things, whether it's crisis, whether it's politics, whether it's uh, empathy on certain things. Like it, when you see, when you see somebody that's struggling through hard times, whether it's a homeless person or a family that, you know, is at the Eddie house and they're trying to get their kid, you know, back home. It's, there's a, there's a number of things that changes your perspective. Right. When I was, I was out of town when the George Floyd protest happened in downtown Reno and it was peaceful. And then it wasn't. And then it wasn't. And then it wasn't. And it's heartbreaking to see that. But that's and it's and it's a message that gets sent across by. There's anger. There's hate. There's there's things. And you know there's there's there you know rioting and protesting. It's never, it's never something that you ever think would happen in a small town like Reno. Right. I was like when yeah, I heard National that, Guard came out. Here. National Guard came out. I never thought that would happen in Reno. Yeah. It happened. And um, what I think was, what, like what you were saying, like. People were at home cooped up, and I think there's a. I, I this is what this is what this is what I believe and want to believe. Sure. There's so many. When this all popped off, the whole George Floyd thing. Like I'm not a. I'm not a. I didn't go out. I don't go out to the protests. I haven't been out to any. Sure. Um, you know, I've had some controversy with some people. But that's just not the way that that I walk. You know, I support everyone who went out there and did it. I do. But what I thought I was seeing was. I reached out to a lot of my friends and some friends reached out to me who were, who were white people back in Sonoma County. And they were asking me questions like, man, I feel terrible. Like this whole white privilege thing that's booming. And, and I would tell them all, I'm like, yo, just keep, just keep being yourself. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of people in my life who are white who make, you know, like I'm pretty high up in a corporate company. I can walk into any room. It's extremely undiverse. And I still feel confident because the people growing up who were white, who were probably conservative and grew up in a densely populated white area, treated me like family, made me feel welcome and comfortable in my skin. And it helped me become talented at disarming people. Sure. You know, we'll use white people right now, disarming white people. So we can find that common ground. We can find that neutrality and we can start to build a, build a relationship. Yeah. And what I thought I was seeing was a ton of just great human beings. Didn't matter the color looking at this and being like, Holy shit. You know, I've heard it of this. I saw a post about this. I get it. But you know, no fault of their own cultural ignorance is is present you know Mm -hmm. like you're not seeing it from someone else's lenses yeah and you can't fault anybody for that Uh, but people are starting to get a small glimpse and people are going out and they're on the streets and there's like 2500 people in downtown reno from like 10 a.m to like 6 p.m tonight doing it right yeah doing it right Mm -hmm. and then you like you said you get the bad you get get bad bad apples but uh but what with that happening all over the world and all over the country, 
that's what I think I see a lot of it, which I which I enjoyed because when it was going down, I was like, man, this is. Uh, I don't think it's where we're at now, but sure. I thought it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It turned into a left and right game. Yeah, it did really quick. Which it, drew a massive line down massive. the country, which drives yeah. me crazy because you know I know that there's a lot of them out there, but it seems like you're either. 100% BLM supporter, mm-hmm. and you want all the reform that BLM wants, and if you're not, you're a Trump-supporting racist. Mm-hmm. And it's a very aggressive line that's been yeah. made. So, But with that, I, I wanted to ask you a question. Sure. You said since 2016 you've grown so much. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to. I was really excited to have you on the podcast because a question of mine is, is like, how do you handle and how have you grown and to cope with the pressures of the narrative. Sure. You know, this is an aggressive question, but the narrative that has spun on media. Yeah. That, you know, there is a large narrative out there that people who are reporting on the media are always biased, no matter what the network, that they will lie by omission and hold facts and give their own facts. And that, mm-hmm. you know, they're the ones creating this massive divide and making everything political. Like, how do you know, with someone like yourself, who truly does, like you just said, when you're out in uh, Fernley? No, I was out in Fallon. Fallon? Yeah. You know, you're trying to do it with the the best neutral bias that you possibly can. Sure. How do you how do you deal with that? How do you do? So what I try to do is this is is let's say I'm talking to a protester. I want to know what they're upset about. But when I ask them, usually what I ask them is a question. I go, why are you out here? What specifically brings you out here? And then I will always bring up the counter argument. I'll be like, there's guys across the street with guns. There's guys across the street that maybe don't want you to be here. Right. What are your thoughts about that? That way I get an understanding from that. Go over and do the same thing that the protesters over there. Um, the thing is, is national media, whether it's CNBC, Fox News, a number of these mar- large major outlets, um, there's periods of time during the day that they report, are reporting facts, but then there's a period of time where either late in the evening they become commentary. And I think that's where people are starting to see a division. You know, you right. obviously, you know, it's very clear to see that Fox News has had guys like Tucker Carlson. You have Rachel Maddow. You have Don Lemon on CNN. It's easy to see that because you're like, this is something that I enjoy. And it's really quick to have a hive mind to go, this is what I like to watch. Right. Um, so immediately when you think that, you go, well, let's say I watch CNN. I like what, what Don Lemon's saying. I like what Anderson Cooper's saying. Let's say, or, or let's say I like what Tucker Carlson's saying or what I like what uh, Rachel, uh, not Rachel Maddow, um, Laura Ingram is saying. Um, those are things that you're trying to hive mind yourself. You're like, okay, these are the things I like. Um, when it comes to us on a local level, and what I've learned in, just since 2016 is that you, you can cover an event. I've covered left events. I've covered right events. I've covered a number of events and protests on both sides. And what it is, you is you are able to tell them what they're feeling. You don't say, well, you know, they go, they're they're protesting against this, but you can't. It's like a weird way to kind of. There's a way to word it, you know, because because here's the thing is is a, lo- a lot of journalists that get into this field, you're either going to be a journalist or you're going to be an activist. You cannot be both, because there are plenty of journalists that have a lot Jesus, of feelings. Right. You know, there's journalists have a lot of feelings about certain things. And, you know, from when we lived together, you know, I I grew up in a very conservative household. I grew up uh, with friends who are very conservative Um, and I come from a background and stuff like that. And um, when I was in college and a lot of that stuff, I was very one set minded. But as I got older and as I started reporting and as I started understanding what goes on in my community, I I just decided to just kind of do away with that. I just said, you know what? 
this shouldn't be about how I identify with my politics. It should be about how I identify as a member of this community. Right. Or and just as a human, almost go human a, being, a human being. Exactly. It was funny. Dante and I talked about this after, uh, Dante, Dante, Dante? Dante? yeah, Dante, Black Dante, yeah, Dante. I hope you're listening. Uh, we talked about this and he was like, you know, he goes, I said, I said, well, what are your, you know, I reached out to him and said, Hey, what are your thoughts just about what's been going on? It was like two or three weeks after the George Floyd incident happened. And Dante was like, you know what I honestly think? He goes, I think that people need to take a step back and realize, just be a good person. Right. Just take a minute. Think about what's impacting your community. Lend a hand. Because what's interesting about Reno was this was after all was said and done after the protests happened, Six o'clock in the morning, sun's up. People are out there scrubbing the streets, cleaning things up. Saw it that. was such a different thing, and that's why I came home and I was like, I need to need to see what happened to the you know the, the police station, all this stuff. People were out there, and even people with the BLM protests were out there doing it. That just shows you that there's a community here in Reno. Right. So, and since 2016, and since doing reports and reporting on both sides, I've realized it should never be because I'm not sitting here being influenced by I'm not sitting here being influenced by producers. Right. I get my scripts checked by my upper management. I get things looked at in case there's like a word or a phrasing maybe that I shouldn't yeah, use specifically, yeah. but nothing is deterred to some way that I feel right. it's, I'm going to tell you what's going on. Here's what's happening. And I've learned a lot from that yeah. tremendously. And it's it, it, cause it's such a divisional thing. Does that kind of shield you from all the outside chatter knowing that that's what you're doing? You know, that you're, you are doing it from a neutral basis and yeah. you're doing it from the growth of just you as a, like not a humanitarian, but yeah. just you as a human being. Yeah. Like, like you, you can, you can say whatever you want about the president. It's not going to bother the me. the news gets fucking heat, bro. Oh yeah. We, we get, get heat. We get heat and we you get, we, we get it. And we sometimes get people that literally will threaten to, you know, hurt us. Oh yeah. We, well, I mean, I've, I mean, I also like, I think it's wrong that it's, it's done like that, but uh, there's also been times where I've, you know, I've turned on one. And watched for 20, 30 minutes mm -hmm. and then turned on another. And I'm like, this is the same fucking topic. Yeah. And these are violently different stories. Right. Wild, you know, because angles people right. have us people want people can. So what, what we as reporters look for is we look for the angle. What specifically like, you know, you could have let's say there's a massive fire that happens. There's a massive fire that happens somewhere, and some people can go to the angle of the fire itself and what the fire crews are doing, but then there's someone that goes out and they talk to the person that saw the fire happen, right. or they find the person that's home burnt down and they lost everything. You know, that's what they're looking for. So that's why we say, well, what's, we usually say, what's your angle? Like, that's what we say in a morning meeting is what we look for is what's your, what's your angle? I always try to look for the people because that's where you're going to get the right. story. That's where you're going to get the story. That's where you're going to connect an event to a person. Because when you connect an event to a person, it's hard. It's hard because people watch the TV and they go, you know, you're fitting a narrative. You're fitting all these things that make people uh, make things seem so commercial. They make it seem so processed, like processed food. You're seeing all that stuff. Yeah. But when you add a person to it, a person who's genuinely infected or someone who has a lot of struggles, that's when you get people thinking. I think there's a there's a huge flaw in our culture too. I I like I I don't know if it's what people call it. I call it the, the high school history book mentality hmm. so you read a high school history book and they're reading about some monumental things that have gone on in our history and there's one textbook and there's one idea and there's one view and that's the first thing that we see and that's the first thing that we read that's yeah. the first way that we're educated so it sticks so then someone tells us different later on you know we're like what it's kind of weird you know like if someone came up to you right now and told you to shit standing up you'd be like what no way it's weird. I've been doing this my whole life, right? Yeah. So I see a lot of us, what we do is we'll see one thing 
and we'll believe one thing, and that's what we heard. Mm-hmm. And we find ourselves in that belief. We'll listen to a news station or a blog. or we'll, Like, I'll have some people completely, like, off the reservation of, of what we're on, but, like, you know, like, oh, Kanye is doing this. Mm-hmm. I read this article. I'm like, all right, well, how the fuck do you know that? How well, I read know? this article. I'm like, well, have you read any other articles? Is there anything else? Like, yeah. did you hear it from the horse's mouth? Like, but there's this weird thing in our culture right now it's like they'll see it and the first thing that they see like i'll see people reading posts it's a headline on on instagram yeah with a numerical fact and they're like that's what it is that's it that's it and then you'll see something else that combats it and you're like fucking liars right like this is crazy like you know put those two sheets of paper on top of each other and see where the same print lies like yeah there's facts on the baseline of it but it's and i think that's what helps create a divide yeah, you know? that, that's what that's what that's what Big deepens time. the divide. And I play devil's advocate with all my friends and stuff like that. Like people, say, one of my friends was like, a, uh, "I need to get my nails done, but everything's closed." And I'm like, "All right, well, there's a fucking nail salon in Walmart that's open." And uh, she's like, "I can't go to Walmart. There's tons of like people get fungus from Walmart nail salons." And I go, "What?" I go, "How do you know that?" She go, "My friend, my friend told me." And I'm like, "All right, well, what the fuck does your friend know about like nail salons and the consistency of catching fungus in Walmart nail salons?" So Dr. Oh, I don't Fauci. know, like, but I just, you know, you just believe it. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, like with the information that's thrown around right now, it's too sensitive. Yeah. And it's too important to, to work that way. You know, like there's, there's this lost art of the compare and contrast. Right. You know, like asking questions, I think has yeah. lost, its, lost its touch of people just taking a minute to go. Well, let me think about that for a second. Yeah. Like digest that for a second and you go. Huh. Like, you know, if somebody came, if say, like your friend came here and goes, oh yeah, man, there's a, there's a, there's a scratch in your car and you're looking around your car for it and you can't see it. And they go, oh, I thought I saw something like, yeah, it's one of those things. Where somebody told me that your car was scratched. So I told you perception. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it dry, and it drives me crazy because like, I really try to sit on the Rasta five. Like, you know, like, man, I just really, to be honest with you, it sounds cheesy, but I really just want to try to walk through this life as happy as possible. For real. And I see people get so consumed and things that really don't even affect their lives. Right. Which is strange. Like yeah. if it, if it really like, I can't believe I'll say this on the podcast, but sure. you know, I had a confrontational conversation with a friend of mine and he was like, you know, you haven't posted anything, the blackout Tuesday or anything BLM. You're not in any of the rallies. And you know, I have a decent like respect of, of some people that are like, you know, you should be an advocate. You know, you could be an advocate. Sure. And this is fun. This is very controversial. And I don't like concretely think this, but you know, on something on a mass setting like that, I listen and I respect people's thoughts. And I respect the movement that people want and I support them 1000%. Sure. Right. But when it comes to like my people, those aren't my fucking people. Like my people is my mom and my dad and my sister and my two nephews and my brothers and the people that I love that I hold dear close who have been through these trials and tribulations who I know that are going to be right next to me till the very, very end. And the people that are around me, the kids that I work with in sports, the kids that I train, the people at my work, my employees, that small ecosystem, I try to you know, expand my knowledge and I try to touch the hearts of those and get them to act in the way of how these protests and these movements are asking the world and our country to act. And that's the way that I look at it. And it's been controversial because I see people get so caught up in things that don't really affect their lives, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, uh, and it's scary. There's some, there's some places and that's, that's not like a, an umbrella statement. 
You know, that's just me specifically. Like, if somebody's like, oh, you know, I'm like, yeah, I support that 100%. Absolutely, I support that. You know, like, hell yeah, keep that up. Keep that going. You know, be careful with that. I'll play devil ca- devil's advocate here. But, like, you know, like, going down and burning down a city, like, if you were to fuck with my family, for sure, I'm down there. City Hall's going up in flames. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, but it's strange. Like, I, it, uh, what I see is that people aren't accepting of, of how people fight yeah like how uh, there's no right way to protest right i've heard like i've that. seen people like silence is just as bad and i'm like you know or you know you should be doing this or you should be kneeling or you yeah. should be able to protest like who the fuck are you to tell me how to fight this mm-hmm. fight like right. shouldn't it only matter that i believe in what you believe in you know what i mean and these small battles that i'm trying to that i'm trying to fight in my own ecosystem are just as important as the big battles you know, like, you know, MLK Jr. talks about it. The people on the front lines that we don't see every day talking to the people in the community are just as important as the people who are who are the first 15 people on the walk down the Capitol Strip mm-hmm. with MLK. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but it's strange. And it turns into this divide. It's like this, if you're not. Yeah. If you're not yeah. with us, you're against us. No and matter that, what. No matter negative, what you do. Yeah, yeah. No matter what you do, whether you're posting a black square on Instagram, whether you're not uh, sharing in content that's going to help people educate themselves. Um, it was interesting. You actually introduced me to a movie called the 13th on Netflix. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. About the 13th and, amendment. Uh-huh. And I rewatched it recently. Well, I remember we had like a heated debate in the living room. Well, no, uh, Sean had, I think it was just Sean. Was it? But I, I remember you said, Oh, you should watch it. And I, I'd never seen it. I remember I came in when you and Sean were talking about it. Right. And I never, I was like, I was like, you know, I'm like, Ricky told me about this movie and I went and watched it and I was like, wow. Whoa. 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 And that's a perspective. Yeah. And you look at that and it makes you go. And I watch LA 92 and you know, you, you watch these different things that have happened. I'm like, that happened in Los Angeles. I'm like, I'm like, I didn't really know what the war on drugs really was about until I watched the 13th. Right. And again, you know, I watch it and I go, okay, I'm going to watch this. But I'm not going to take, you know, you listen, you, you take it, you digest it and you go, what are things that, what are things are opinions? Cause you can have people on right. documentaries and they can give their opinions. I work in news. I look for people's thoughts about right. things. And I know that's what you sometimes things look for, but then you look for the concrete evidence of things and you go, wow, this is such an interesting perspective. And kind of what you're saying, it's like you go back and it's like, you go back to what happened in 92 in LA, you know, you have this, this event that happens with you know Rodney King and you go this outbreak happens and outlandish and these businesses are getting destroyed and people getting pulled from cars and you can sit there and wag your finger and go this is not the right way to do this and that's kind of what's happening today it's right. like this is not the right way to remember but what do you do when right? you have 60 when you have 65 watts yeah when you have 92 watts you know what i mean and then you have you you know you got George Floyd mm mm-hmm. mhm so it's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not one to go out there and I'm not going to protest and light fires and, and, you know, rob and loot. Sure. But it's like, there's also a piece of me that's like, man, how long can you keep this caged dog in? Right. When we're watching it, like people who educate themselves on generational repetitiveness, like I thought we, t- I thought we went over this. It's such an interesting thing that you bring that up. It's such a generational thing. I mean, think about it. Uh, you know. 200 years ago that's two people <laughs> two people ago right. as i like to say like think about it like you have a, such a different generation that like you said kind of going back to your history book analogy 
uh, it's a different. It's going to be a different history book than yeah. you see it twenty years from now. It's going to be a different thing where you keep going back, and things kind of repeat themselves in a way. Uh, economic recessions, um, social justice movements, those things uh, repeat themselves not to maybe the fullest extent, right? But they repeat themselves in the way. And it's yeah, and it's like, man, I can kind of understand some of this anger. Like when I first read in the textbook the civil rights movement, I thought people just weren't allowed in some buildings. That's I thought the Green Book was only certain certain buildings that you the, know. Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't see like. Uh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, you know, like things that are systematic are, are present, mm-hmm. well, no matter what anyone wants to think. I like to play the ignore side of it. You know, like I understand that there's necessary adversities that I'm going to have to go through being a black male, but I'm getting to where I want to go. Sure. And I cannot use that as an excuse. That's what my parents taught me. They're like, listen, when you walk into a room, you're probably only going to look like the person that you look like. It's going to happen as you move up. Sure. You're going to hear some snippets. You need to learn how to pick your own battles. Find the goal that you want and pick the necessary battles that you know that you can withstand to continue to get to your goal instead of getting diverted and things like that. So I try not to use it as an excuse. I don't think everyone does it, but I see some people use being black as like religion. Like if you're not a Christian, you're not going to heaven. Yeah, if, you, if, if you're, you're not black, with me, you're, you're not getting me. there. Mm-hmm. And I say to everyone who thinks like that, like, fuck that. I'm either running through that wall I'm going to find some way around it, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, but also there's some people who are in situations where that vision of mine is much, much harder to realize sure. and see, sure. you know what I'm saying? It's just wild. I also think a, a big thing that shined a light and helped me out as a, as a person, which I was really excited for you to come on is cause you know, we were on completely different opposite ends of the spectrum That's right. when we were living together. Yeah. And there was some initial not spoken, but sure. there was some, we were walking on eggshells a little bit. I remember, uh, you know, we go to Sakana and we do night in the country, you know, and, and we're living together and it was pretty cool. And I wish more people could understand it. it was like, it was very clear the way that you treated me, that you were not a racist, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, now do I know your whole life and your whole aspects or whatever the case may be? No, but how you treated me as a human being, our interactions on a day to day basis, showed me that you know that this guy has a heart in him or he'll treat everyone the same or he'll treat people the same let's just say that to be safe because i didn't know you very well sure and i accepted that and we started to commingle and we were able to start to talk about topics which was pretty cool that yeah. were we had very very different opinions on and we kept it neutral you know and we still are yeah today oh, at yeah. completely opposite end of the spectrum in a country that i've never seen so divided and you're in the news BLM's popping off. I'm black. And I'm like, Hey man, you want to come cruise on the podcast? Yeah. Like, you, Fuck yeah. yeah you oh, know, yeah, absolutely. And I just wish there was more of that in the world. I saw a yeah. picture on Instagram. It said, you know, we can do disagree on some things and still be friends. Exactly. We were looking at more. Yeah. Cause, cause the thing is, is where, where I, where I lie was, you know, I'm a, I'm a journalism major and a political science minor. Right. And I looked at different things and where I was from originally is, you know, I'm from a very conservative background right. and I have conservative friends who I'm still friends with today. And I have plenty of liberal friends too, that I'm still very well connected with. And, you know, you're, you're, you're meeting me at a very intense time where uh, right. it's, you know, you're, I'm in college, I'm in a fraternity. It's a different, it was a different miles that you met back then. Yeah. But back then when we were talking, we focused, I, I, I would, cause, cause the thing is, is I wasn't looking for an argument. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for anything because that's the thing is, is what people do they do these things they wear these hats they yeah. throw these flags up they put it wasn't things. like it wasn't we didn't speak on things we believed we spoke on things that we knew exactly and it and it kept a it kept a neutral dialogue and i hope 
I'm glad that I was able to word it like that. I hope there's becomes more of that. Yeah. You know, like you yeah. should 1000% scream what you believe at the top of your lungs exactly. when you're going to have a constructive conversation. You can, you can push what you believe in the things that you know. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, we've seen a lot of it, you know, on both sides who will come and be very factual and unbiased in the things that they know and they'll push their beliefs in the right way. And I see that a lot less. <laughs> and I was able to do it a lot more after we became roommates. Yeah. Cause I was like, man, I just lived under the same house with someone who initially like we'd be throwing hands just for one category of your just belief, for, just for one belief. Yeah. You know, now obviously right now and today it's a very aggressive belief on both sides, on whether both you're sides. for or against. Yeah. But man, it, it, it breaks my heart sometimes because I think a lot of people miss out on beautiful people that they can have in their lives. Seriously. It's, it's like, it's like everyone's on their guard. Everyone has their guard up. They have their beliefs and they, they, they stick to them so hard. They have their references. They have their beliefs. They have their background and they're so tied to that. Um, my bubble's very thick. I'm, you know, I'm born and raised native Nevada and, um, I'm from here. I know I, I literally haven't left much. I haven't been to many States. Uh, my bubble's pretty thick and, the thing is, is the more I've talked with just people and seen what people have gone through, because I love people. I really, I really do. I think everyone has a really good energy about them. And when you see people, again, struggling, when you see people succeeding, when you see people going through hard times, when you help somebody in need, it's such a different thing where you go, this isn't about whether I'm right, whether I'm right. left. This isn't about whether I'm a journalist or if I'm your neighbor. It's about me just being a human to help yeah. somebody out. Yeah, these people are dying. Yeah. These people are starving. People are dying. These people are struggling. People are getting killed. People are getting starved. People it's are like, getting beat. Put them away. You know, it's like you you can sit there and go, you know, you can you can you know, you can sit there and feel sorry and you can sit there and post something to remember people or, you know, good deeds. I oh, they always say good deeds aren't really recognized if you tell everyone about them. I think just good being good deeds should be something that should be recognized tremendously. Um, and I think beliefs and, and political identities get in the way of that. So let me say this statement. Let me see how you react to it. Sure. Because we're speaking on the same wavelength, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. Now, I believe that everyone should act the way that we just talked about. Obviously, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, but there's a lot of me that also feels like uh, what I'm seeing in the world is it's either it's not being done or that's not enough anymore. Right. You know, like just being a good human being just isn't enough anymore. You know, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like it, in my head, it seems simple. Mm -hmm. You know, like I grew up in an interracial household, you know, we got all the looks, we got all the, it was Petaluma. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm an old chicken farmer town. Mm -hmm. You know, I got people driving by and like trucks and you know, like, you know, yelling the N word at me and getting a fight at school because of this stuff and this and the other, or befriending people and not being able to go to people's houses and stuff. But my parents always raised me like, yo, man, just, you know, don't trust anybody till they give you a reason to trust them. And then, you know, judge people off how they move, how they act, and what they say, not how they look. Yeah. And it was, it was just simple to me, you know? And I see all this stuff going on and I'm like, it's not simple anymore. It's wild. It's, you know, you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a different thing where people don't, they don't look at the, like they always say one good thing is never will always be overshadowed by 10 bad things. Oh yeah. Every time. And it's such a, 
it's such a it's such an interesting thing because it's everyone's heavily opinionated everybody's online everybody's angry everybody's frustrated yeah and it's it's so quick and it's so quick to be upset it's so quick to like I don't, you don't even you, get to sleep on it anymore. No, no, no. Like we need the California ten day buy a gun rule. Like we need the cool <laughs> right. off rule. You need well that's the thing is is I've learned that tremendously. Is there have been many times in my life where I've been super frustrated with something, uh, whether it's somebody talking trying to trying to get me to vibe up on Twitter or something on Facebook, and I get I feel myself just getting kind of heated. Right. And everybody gets that way. I give myself a day. Then I go back and I read yeah. it and I go. Is it truly worth it to interact? I do that a lot, man. I would do that at Imperial a lot. Yeah, right. You Where know, you, like, I'm gonna. Is it time to interact with this I'm guy? Do a lap. I'm yeah. Gonna come back and do a lap. If I feel like it's go play like a game. I need to whoop pool. that ass. <laughs> yeah, right. We're gonna have a conversation. Give him the eyes. But the cool off. But yeah, it's just so quick. It's fucking quick it's now. It's quick. And it's like you know, how fucking long is this gonna last, bro? Right. It, it makes you wonder. It, it's like, think about it. Social media is in its infancy. We still are adjusting to this, this world of, cause I mean, if the literally, if it wasn't for social media, this George Floyd thing would have happened. It's oh, like, no you've got a girl with a six year old with a phone filming this in Minneapolis yeah. that sparks nation global yeah. reaction. That's how much power social media has. So oh, yeah. we're still in its infancy. We're still trying to figure out what exactly sets people off, where exactly people go. It can be toxic. I think I think my, the biggest thing is funny thing is Mayor Hillary Sheevy actually said this. She said this in a TED talk or something like that. She said, she said, think before you tweet. That's the biggest thing, and I think that's a big thing is taking a minute, read what you said, like like us journalists do. We have to we literally read our stuff aloud. We write it out. We read it aloud to make sure it makes sense to our ears, to our peers, and we. That's something I do with every tweet. I read it aloud. Like okay. Yeah. Is this something I'm proud of? You know, yeah. It's nice though that this stuff is getting exposed on the BLM thing because it is. It's been generations. Like I've had conversation. Like I got talked to my dad. Uh-huh. You know, my dad's like, it's a beautiful thing, but you know, you talk to an older generation, you go to some inner cities, they're like, what the fuck? This shit ain't new. Ain't none of this new. First you know? time I heard about it was Eric Gardner, was when the the first the for the guy who was selling the cigarette in right. New York and. uh I remember Kobe Bryant wearing an I Can't Breathe shirt to, yeah. I think it was like before a game or something against the, with the Lakers. And I remember seeing that, and I really wasn't sure about it. I was like, because I mean, you're talking, this is back in the early 2000s and, or later 2000s and, or 2010s. And, uh, you know, you don't think much of it because it was at a different time when social media was still just starting and things weren't as viral as they got. Now everyone's on their phone. Everyone's on their thing. It's such a different way that we're seeing it. Yeah. People are so quick to whip out their phones. People come, have come up to me filming me trying to spark something out of me. It happens all the time. It's wild. Like, I think it's like, uh, the expo, this, the exposure is, I think there's exposure to social injustice and systematic oppression and and this, that, and the other, and all the different categories that are being exposed right now. What I also think is capitalism is being exposed. I, what I mean by that is, I think, you know, if you look back, like we'll use Rome as an example, that was one of the more, that was one of the bigger capitalist countries, right? Sure. And a farther back age. Um, but when you see like capitalism to thrive the way that it's thriving, right? The economy to be booming and these type of freedoms and, you know, these opportunities and these massive corporations and, and this workloads and, and, and all of this stuff comes from how we function in a capitalist country 
or sure. just a capitalist economy. And it has layers to it. Just like if you were to like, you know, you go out to Utah and you see those, um, those big old mountains and you see all the layers of the sediment. You need all of those layers to get to the top. Mm-hmm. I think what's being exposed is like, yes, we all know that a lot of this stuff is unjust, no matter what category it's happening to. But you have to have high school dropouts. You have to have the criminals. Got to have the gas station attendants. You got to have the four pun owners. You got to have the the NASA guys. You have to have the used car salesman. You got to have the tech guy. You mm-hmm. got to have the you know. You have to have all these layers from all the way to not a penny in the bank up to the one percent. Yeah. You know to to live and function in all these a vast majority of benefits that we have living in this country. But it's strange to me. It looks like you know you have to have them all. Mm-hmm. Like we can't bring. Uh, this isn't what I believe. This is what I see in the system. You can't bring everybody to the same level or else this doesn't work. Everyone with the same exact opportunity and the same exact choice and the same exact, if everyone's here, then this whole thing doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a layers to a mountain. It's the, the sediment system. of a mountain and it's what holds it together. And, you know, the bigger, the bigger the mountain gets, the more pressure is on those lower levels and the, the odds of them coming out are, are slimmer. That's just, that's what I've seen. Sure. Is what I think I that I believe, and I don't think that it's right, but I think it's like this brilliant, perfect, cohesive, like, like David statue, pristinely built, disgusting system, mm-hmm. and I think people are kind of getting exposed to it. Well, people are seeing how quick our economy can go down. Right. People are seeing how quick how how vulnerable just regular businesses or corporate enterprises and supply is. I mean, I was just Damn, like the middle class isn't in great shape, right? It's, it's such now things are going to go. It's like 2008 when things go back and forth where Ooh. you don't have a middle class gets gutted and then it's just back and forth <laughs> and then it goes slowly comes back and then it goes away. I was just watching something about agriculture, how, you know, you were, they, there was commercial agriculture and then there's retail commercial shuts down you got nobody working in plants because of covid and then all these guys in retail they're like well we can't sell this so we just gotta bury all these onions in the ground and you know and you know that's part of the system that it is it's like it's such a different thing it's wild it's like we've been cruising and because of tech you know we've seen previous societies climb this ladder but you know i don't know whatever you want to say is the tech boom when it started has just amplified us you know, 10, 100, 500 fold. So we're like, you know, like when I saw that they shut, they like, it was like April 2nd, they shut it all down really. Yeah. And I was like about as far as, about as much as you can shut down this freight train of an economy. That's just yeah. flying at a million hauling. miles an hour. Yeah. And I was like, and it got exposed like, Oh my gosh, like this is truly a, um, like a snowball effect. Like if we, what was that old movie? Oh gosh, I, oh, I hope you know. What was that old movie with Keanu Reeves? He's on a bus with Sandra Bullock, and they can't well, bring speed. The, speed, yeah. Like our economy's almost like speed. Oh yeah. Like man, if you bring this bus down under sixty miles an hour, this it, whole thing's gonna blow, blow up. up. Yeah. So we're yeah. like doing everything that we can, navigating through these highways, and d- to the best of our ability, because we have all these passengers inside of our country trying to keep this boat above sixty miles an hour. Yeah. You know. Every yeah, it's. Because I mean, oh, what a killer analogy! What a, yeah, that was Whoa. a good point. That was good. <laughs> Sandra Bullock and Sandy Keanu Reeves. B? Hope you're listening to the podcast, Sandy. Yeah, B. man, please do. <laughs> Keanu Reeves just listening. What made you come up with the name Quarter Life Crisis? Um, 
Quarter Life Crisis came out because I think uh, I think it's me personally. Like I'm 28. Yeah. Quarter Life, right? You're 28. I'm 28. 27. Yeah, I'm only oh, a year older than that's you. That's right. I I don't. Why do I think you're older? I just because in, like you said, when I met you in 2016, we were very different. Very young. young. We yeah. Were very different. Yeah. Chapters. Very different. Um, but um, I feel myself like been raised so violently blue collar. Sure. You know, and uh, I'm getting to a point now where I'm climbing the ladder in FedEx and I've been expanding in entrepreneurship and educating myself. And now I've lived in, you know, this is my 14th move in 10 years. Like I've been all over the place. I've met so many people. And I think my mind is about to like, you know, explode because, you know, I was raised so very simple by my father. Yeah. Get your ass up before everybody else. You work harder than everybody else. You go to sleep later than everybody else. And you're kind to everybody who crosses your path and you're going to get to where you want to go. And I'm still doing that and still navigating, but it's like, there's so much, there's so much other stimuli. Yeah. You know, there's so much stimuli, whether it's news or blogs or articles or social media or, or national media or friends and family and texts and tweets. And, and it's like, man, my head, my head's going to explode. It's going to, you know, and I just like, it's going to break, man. You know what I mean? Exactly. And yeah. it's like, I'm worried about time. I'm worried about money. money I'm worried yeah. about life. And I'm just like, man, I don't, I really, the more that I find out that I know, the more I realize how fucking much I don't know, how ignorant I am. Yeah. Well, at least you're not like having like the the actual quarter life crisis breakdown where you just go do something, go live in the woods for three yeah, years. Yeah. I think the quarter life crisis is more cognitive. It's like, sure. man, you know, like I thought uh, this, this, this room is a whole lot bigger than I thought it was. Oh, totally. And I need to talk about it because I thought I was like, I thought, you know, I thought I was, I thought the world was different. Yeah. And here it is getting exposed for the last like 15 years. It's just been, you know, since 05, I got into high school in 07 and it's just been a revolving door to the point now where I'm like, fuck, man, this is crazy. Like I got a kid, you know, I got my own house, I got a corporate job, but I'm, you know, I still got my homies who are in that. And my, you know, my family's over here and my friends are over here. My business is over here and my work is over here. And it's like. You got my son is over here. It's a clock, dude. There's all different parts. One, two, one through yeah. twelve. You got twelve yeah. freaking things in your clock. So you know, just cruising through a quarter life crisis, man. I'm losing my fucking mind, and I love it, dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's and I think that's important. It kind of goes back to what you're talking about the mental health thing. It's like, as long as you're able to sit here and you address it, you go, right. you know, I got finances, I got a kid, I got work, I got things I got to do, and you're able to kind of sit back, take a minute, do some breathing exercises, and go, you know what? Delaney says this thing to me all the time and it sticks with me. She says this thing to me when I get a little frustrated, she goes, is this the end of the world? And I, and it just, I don't, it's so simple. It's the most simple thing ever. And I take it back and I go, you know what? She's right. Yeah. My sister does the same thing. She's like, is this going to stop you from going, getting to where you need to get? Exactly. Then, then shut up, shut up, you know, like who cares? Shut up and keep working. Life is going to keep pushing. Yeah. Keep hammering, man. You know, that's wild. It is crazy, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I got. And I also, know, I mean, you've lived with me long enough. I know I don't shut the fuck up anyway. So I was like, I <laughs> we, might as well bo- get on we the both mic. are born to talk. Yeah, that, yeah, in my email, I have it up right now. I literally, this is what I wrote at the, at the top of your. There's like one, two, three, four, six bullet points. Yeah, six or seven bullet points on the outline of this hour and forty five minute podcast. Now, dang. And it just says, I truly believe that we will not have a problem filling time if we were to sit down and talk. <laughs> oh, that's right. You did say that. Like, no, we don't. Yeah. Not well, at all. Yeah. But I think it's cool that you're able to uh, just talk about stuff. And, yeah. you know, I you know I listened to the first couple of ones you did and, and North Valley's coach and stuff like that. 
uh, it provides perspective yeah. on different things. And I think it's, it's good because this is such a, a medium that needs to be recognized because we're, you know, I work in television. It's such a different medium where, you know, there's people that are watching, whether you think like, Oh, they, people didn't see that. Right. And they're like, ah, oh, miles, you still a cheeseburger on your face. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, <laughs> you get those things like, uh, where you don't, you, you know, you just putting out content is such a unique thing. It's like, you know what, just doing it, getting it out there and working hard and putting it and hustling, I think makes a huge difference in, in this. Cause you know, it could be a pot. Like I said, like I was just talking to you about before this, like I listened to the David Goggins audiobook and it changed my life. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I didn't think of listening to a, a 12 chapter audiobook would ever change my life. But then, then I started listening to different podcasts and stuff like that. And it's, I think this is, I think this is something with social media that's going to have an impact on how people see things. Right. Yeah. I agree. And kind of slowing the, the negatives that we talked about. Yeah. And I, and that's a big thing that I want to do. Like I found a, I've been blessed and been successful in, in not having too many enemies, you know, and, and <laughs> building relationships and, sure. and with people who are, I mean, shit, we're sitting in the room right now, violently different walks of life. Yeah. Very different. to this day, you know, your life is to this day, very different than mine mm -hmm. and being able to kind of sit in a, in a neutral spot. And also, you know, like I watch a lot of Joe Rogan and like we talked about, he sure. does devil's advocate very well. Yeah, he does. A lot of a lot of stuff that I like to do is like, let's both speak on what we know. Yeah. On our each end spectrum, see if we can get through a conversation. You know, you have the conversations of how did you get here? You yeah. know, like what? Not like this is what you think. Oh yeah. Well. Well, this is what well, you think. Okay. Yeah. I think you're batshit crazy for thinking that. Right. Why don't you tell me how on God's green earth did you get here? <laughs> yeah. I think that's a legit. That's question. a quick question. Like what? What? Like what are your references? Where are you from with that point? Because that's literally what I said. Kind of going back to the protest thing. I asked them. I go, what? Yeah. What? Why are you here? What made you decide to take a day off work? Why are you out here? With, why did you make this sign? Why are you chanting this? What? Or what motivates you to be behind a cause? Or what motivates you to be upset? And that mended us. I think. Yeah. Because totally we quickly did. living together. Yeah. I found out how you got there. Yeah, exactly. Now, do I, did I like where you ended up? N no. No. But you told me how you got there, mm -hmm. what the influences were, why you were there, and I got more insight, more information on you, and when you do that, you peel back the layers. Totally. If you get enough layers down, all of a sudden there's no skin and it's just human beings. It's just you and, and I. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We have some differences. Yeah. But... A lot of the, even though we lived in very different lives, a lot of the struggles had a lot of similarities. Exactly. A lot of the act, a lot of the things that skewed us to a belief or another, happened at the same point. We just went a different direction because of our, we were in different environments. Mm. And you start to understand that, like, how people's thought process have been creative through their chapters, trials, and tribulations in yeah. their lives is not malicious. It's truly an organic thing that has been built and grown and evolved for years and years and years and years, you know, like there's obviously bandwagons out there, but so I think that's a, that's a, that's a huge thing. So Shit. I appreciate you coming on here, dude, cause of course. that's important. And I, and like right out the gates, you know, perception is everything. It is. And I want people to know that this podcast is a neutral place. Yes. And, uh, and truly only uplifting and, and uh, that everyone is is welcome. I'd like to try to bring a little bit of taste of what I believe should be in the world on this podcast. That's good. So I, I thank you a lot. And I looked down at the clock and we're fucking two hours in, bro. Awesome. So <laughs> um, before we leave, though, 
you got anything going on or anything that you want to put out there? I mean, I only have 135 downloads, so I don't well, know how much far this will reach. 135 but is, is better than one. That's, that's not that's bad. That's pretty good. In, that's better than se- one. Six days? Six days. Six days, Spotify baby. and everything. Um, if you want to find me, it's Miles Shea Bergen. I'm on all social platforms. Um, I'm a reporter, forecaster, sometimes an anchor on News 4 in Reno. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much all I got. Um, the only thing I got going on is just reporting. Yeah. Doing that, I have a I have a feature series called Knowing Nevada. You can watch them on Wednesdays at six o'clock. Uh, that's my feature series. You guys can tune into that. And uh, I love talking with people. So if you have thoughts or things you want to share, I'm quick and easy. You can find all my contact information on my Twitter, on my Facebook, and you can find me on mynews4.com. Beautiful. Well, let's get off the air so we can talk about the things that we aren't allowed to talk about on here. Uh, tune in next time. It's your boy, Podcast Poppy, with my man, Miles. I'll see you guys next time.